2: I can tell you that the team expects Pete Alonso to be uh, still with them next year. This has been a subject of a lot of conversation over the past couple weeks because it did get out that there was some limited discussion between the Mets and other teams about Pete Alonzo with the trade deadline. The Mets are so adamant that those discussions uh, didn't advance. Uh, various reports have said that the Mets are uh, perceived as likely to trade Alonso this offseason, and all I can tell you is I've learned never to say never in this business or rule anything out or speak in absolutes. But today, the Mets expect that they will not shop Alonzo and that Alonzo will be on the team next year. This is rooted in the fact that Steve Cohen means it when he says they want to feel the competitive team next year. They won't have the same free agent splashes necessarily in the offseason. They won't necessarily go into the year as uh, postseason or National League favorites. Uh, but they do want to stay competitive and they see a guy with potential Hall of Fame-level level power at first base is, is the way to remain competitive. He's not a guy that you trade unless you're doing a full teardown, and that's not what the Mets expect to do. Yeah,
3: really promising news for Mets fans there. So, Andy, do you anticipate that the Mets and Alonzo could be working on a contract extension after the next offseason? That's
2: a tougher thing to predict, and the Mets really don't know if they're going to be able to work out something long-term with Alonzo. They've talked... Obviously, they haven't reached an agreement or we would have heard about it. But the next step really here is if, if Alonso truly does play out the season, as the Mets currently expect him to do on their team, then he becomes a free agent. The Mets were comfortable doing this with Brandon Nimmo, with Edwin Diaz, and with Jacob DeGrom. We have two examples there of players with whom they worked it out in free agency and then one, of course, in DeGrom where they didn't work it out. So it looks like the most likely scenario is, is Alonzo gets there. The Mets aren't going to go all out to sign him past what they consider rational. Uh, I'm not saying that Pete's going to demand some irrational contract, but that's really a subject looking like for about a year from now. Uh, And until then, Mets fans are more likely than not to just be able to enjoy Alonzo for one more year and then see how his free agency plays out. No guarantees for the long term here, uh, but in the short term, uh, I would take down the temperature on these trade rumors for sure. All
3: right, we're back. So, Ever since right before the trade deadline, and look, I I don't like to just pat myself on the back, but I did a segment. You guys could go back and listen to in July trading Pete Alonso, and I outline why trading Pete Alonso, or at least exploring it, is important because a guy who's elite like Alonzo in his prime can maybe fetch uh, what I call a Herschel Walker type deal from a certain team. Now it's a little harder in today's day and age. You know, teams aren't really willing to overpay because they're they're looking at data and metrics and they know one player even if he's a great guy and he's marketable with the home runs that are sexy and the home run derby and he's, and he's certainly a guy that could represent your club you know they're not willing to overpay but you never know what's out there so you have to put the player out there especially if it gets you multiple high-end prospects especially on the pitching side because pitching and defense is where this thing goes like the Mets' season this year was undone. Yeah, they have issues on offense, and they would have had to maybe add a bat at the deadline if they were in contention in addition to some other things. But the pitching, the starting pitching in particular one and then to a next degree, the bullpen is why this season was undone. So when I floated it out there, that was just me floating an idea out there. That's common sense. And then right after that, you had the—and I hate to use this term because that's all it really is, and you really have to understand that— The fake news of WFAN going out and reporting that the Mets, and Scherzer actually laughed at this when he came to town this past week, that the Mets clubhouse was toxic and that Pete Alonso's part of it. I'm like, where did you get that from? You know, Maybe the clubhouse or maybe the energy around the team was off from the start, and we talked about that. That doesn't mean they hated each other or there was a problem. There was just something off. And there could be a lot of things that go into that on the field off the field wbc pitch clock uh, you know so many things that this team w- was impacted negatively from and didn't push through and didn't accomplish on and i don't think it's pete alonzo's uh, personality that caused that so now that comes out so now everybody's talking about the mets need to trade pete alonzo what could they trade pete alonzo with and then the real kicker is and this started you've seen this a lot this past few weeks what used to be this sacrosanct, um, you know, deeply sourced cover of waivers and trade talks that didn't happen, all of a sudden now you're hearing Milwaukee talk about how they were close to getting Alonzo. The Mets dispute that, you know, things like that. You see players being put out on waivers and and, and you know like Carrasco, Harrison Bader, what the Angels did this past week putting a bunch of their trade deadline acquisitions on waivers. You know, if those guys don't get claimed, now they wound up getting claimed, most of them, but if those guys don't get claimed, obviously it creates hurt feelings. I don't think people know what irrevocable waivers are. They're basically ways to put players on waivers, and you don't want them back, so if they get claimed, they're gone. But a lot of players get put on waivers. I mean, I was told years ago that you'd be surprised. Teams put all, sometimes their whole roster on waivers, but then they pull them back. Put them in irre- irrevocable waivers is a whole other story altogether. And a lot of times that's not reported because that's common practice. Now you have to be careful because you've got a lot of leaks. Now the Mets have been pretty good at, at not leaking. This whole Carrasco on waivers thing got leaked. Um, the Mets have been good at that. And, and now, you know, it becomes a conversation. And I think it's somewhat unprofessional. Now I think it's targeted. I think it's anti-Cohen, number one. I also think number two, if Milwaukee leaking it, Maybe have to do with the whole flirtation with Stearns and maybe they don't like it. I'm wondering if that's coming from the owner at that point. But that doesn't end there. So then the next thing is, last weekend, and we didn't talk about it, Bob Nightingale comes out with a sourced article uh, and talks about, well, you know, rival GMs expect Pete to be dealt. Okay, that's speculation. Now there's some education behind it because the Mets were saying, hey, anybody who's not under contract— Let's talk about. Billy Epler would be derelict in his duty if he didn't talk about Pete Alonso and the value that Pete Alonso could bring to the Mets in a trade. He has to do that. That's his job. Do you not understand that? Because I think a lot of people don't. They're all upset about it. Every player you have to talk about. There's no such thing really as an untouchable. Now, you could laugh and say, you know, you come coming to me asking me for, you know, to trade a Kuna if you're the, uh, uh, the Braves, but... Yeah, what do you got? You never know. I mean, you know, Joe DiMaggio for, uh, what was it, Joe DiMaggio for Ted Williams almost happened. So anything could happen, right? Um, So then Nightingale comes out with that. I'm not criticizing Nightingale on this, but it's rival GMs, and it's an opinion, and opinion's like, you know what? Then article comes out, Mets rebuttal, basically, hey, not as close. And, you know, Andy Martino, who's the only one, in my opinion, that really has a pulse on this, you know, said it best that the Mets are going to go out. Um, they've had conversations with Pete about what it would take to buy out his rest of his arbitration years and buy out his free agency. The number basically was at a point where the Mets weren't comfortable with. They've already gone to free agency with other guys like Diaz and like Nemo and were able to compete and sign them. And, you know, it's something that they may do with Alonzo too. That doesn't mean that they don't want him long term. They're not interested. And Alonso has to understand, too, it's a business and it might be in his best interest to drag this out. He may want to drag this out to free agency. Just because Austin Riley and Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna all signed these contracts to buy out their years, some which were significantly under market, doesn't mean Alonso wants to do that. You know, one mark of Alonso from when he came in and he talked about how he wrote that article, excuse me, he wrote that paper in college about being a big league ball player has put his chips to the center of the table, and he has bet on himself, and he's won. So I don't see why that would change. Now, would I like to sign him up this offseason and have some cost certainty for the roster uh, over the next, you know, I think it's going to take us seven years, and I talked about maybe it being $30 million. You know, million. We've talked a lot about Alonzo going back to the offseason, about what a contract would, would be, and I know that, There are warts in his game, and he's not Freddie Freeman, and he may not even be Matt Olsen. I think he's very similar, just right-handed version. But I think $25 to $30 million. And I think, you know, as he continues to home run after home run, and, and look, a lot of the fans are right. You cannot take the fact that he hits 40 to 50 home runs and does so where, you know, he was out for two weeks this year. So he's probably would have been chasing 50 already. It's not like it's a lot of effort for him. He does it every year with that consistency. I mean, that is, this is a guy that if he stays healthy, you know, is going to hit 500 home runs in his career. Whether he's an, a Hall of Famer or not, he's going to hit 500 home runs if he stays healthy. Because at the very least, that power uh, for the next five years, you know, is going to be around. You sign him to another five years, you put another—you know, you're looking at already— uh, 350 home runs, you know, hitting into his mid 30s. And then, you know what? You stick around for another three, four years and maybe you get, you know, close to that 500. So he's going to have 500 home runs, even if he averages 30 a year. And I think that's low over a five year span. You know, it's possible that he's going to be much higher than that. So, you know, this is a guy that doesn't grow on trees. You want to put him in context to Mets history. We're going to talk about Strawberry on the way out in the final segment. But runs created, Pete Alonzo is at 136. That's third in Mets history through this morning. That's just behind Strawberry and John Olrud. who was only here a couple of years. I mean, John Olrud. I mean, the guy that we could talk about, tremendous run creator, tremendous offensive player, you know, was only here three years. You know, that's higher than Piazza. That's better than Cespedes. That's better than uh, Keith Hernandez or Carlos Beltran. You know, as you go through the the annals of Mets history. um, So this is, you know maybe not the most complete player. Maybe he's not Beltron and Wright on both sides of the ball. But he could be going down as the best offensive player, best run creator. Maybe not offensive player, best run creator in Mets history. And you know, when you start to look at the totality of his career, I mean, he's already played for the Mets longer than Ulruz played for the Mets. So, you know, you don't want to just throw this guy away. But, let's be fair. To be angry about how this is going down or to think the Mets lack of a contract is something that uh, indicates that he's on the way out. I think Cohen and Epler talked about this on MLB network radio. They have been in contact with uh, Alonzo's agent. You know, I know Cohen spoke to Alonzo when I think he was in Kansas city a couple of weeks ago, maybe under the prior ownership, which didn't do a good job of connecting with the players. You'd have some concerns. I have no doubt in my mind That the Mets have been transparent, open, and honest with Alonzo and Alonzo's agent. And just because there aren't reports, you know, doesn't mean it's not happening. Now, we don't know who leaked some of this stuff about Alonzo trade rumors. Maybe it was on the Alonzo camp. I doubt it. But none of this that's gone on with Alonzo over the last 30 days is surprising. And it's common practice in baseball. It really is. I mean, putting guys on waivers, which I don't. Not saying that's what happened with Alonzo, but that could happen at some point to see who would be interested. You don't really don't need that. Uh, seeing what his trade value was, you know, negotiating a contract to get the best deal. Let's remember, he gets a seven-year deal into his mid to late thirties. Right-handed power had replaced for a space that you know his legs go. Look at what's going on with Marte. His legs go, his power goes. You know, he's one slider away from breaking a bone in his wrist, and that's game over for power. You know, you got to be careful here if you're the Mets. you got to make sure you measure twice, cut once. And historically, they have not been signing, at least under Cohen in the first three years, been signing their young players before they hit free agency. They've been comfortable going into free agency and playing that game. Now, it's stressful for the fans because, look, you go to free agency, anything can happen. You know, Yankees come to you and throw you a boatload of money, and you're like, hmm, I kind of like that. I don't want to give the Mets the last right of refusal. But remember something very, very interesting, because I think I saw Dave Lennon in Newsday talk about it. And it was a headline which basically said, until this is resolved, these questions are going to remain. Sure. Until Alonzo signs on the dotted line, it is a fair conversation, speculative or otherwise, to say, hey, what could they get in trade value? Will he be here past 2024? Of course. And every opportunity. You know, yesterday he hit a couple of home runs. He's got 41 for the year. Banner day for Pete at City Field. The question is going to come up. Could this be the last time he does this? You know, are they going to trade him there? Next year, you know, no contract going into the season. Let's say the Mets are not in contention at the deadline. You know, that conversation is going to come up. So buckle up. And if the Mets have decided, and I think you'll know pretty quickly into the offseason how this is going because you have to, Go to arbitration one more time if you don't agree to one year deal. If they agree to one year deal, this guy's going to free agency. They go to arbitration, then he's definitely going to free agency. I don't see the Mets doing that. Unless Pete's totally unreasonable about his request. And, you know, I really think that you know that's where the inevitability of this is going. They did they they did this before. They did it with the best closer in the game. They did it with a guy that was, you know probably one of the top leadoff hitters of the game, albeit he was injured and he hasn't accomplished as much as Pete. They did it with Nimmo. Uh, you know, they did sign McNeil, so there is precedence before free agency McNeil, but I think that's a different level contract, a much simpler contract. You know, you're know you talking about a contract with a guy that may want to become AAV, the highest AAV of any first baseman ever. And we don't know how many years he wants. You know He might want double-digit years, and now you're getting into a whole different conversation. So... Uh, I guess the point here is this. I really don't know why, other than, look, it's great for the show. It's great for, you know, you guys to entertain yourself. I don't know why we're, like, talking about this in a negative way. This is common practice for anybody hitting free agency. Anybody. And over the course of time, if we ever had a log of what players were talked about in trades or what players were put on waivers, your hair would curl. You don't think the Mets ever talked about trading Wright and Reyes at some point? even before they became stars. You know, I think that the the rumor was that Phil, Steve Phillips was offered Jose Cruz Jr. for right when they needed outfield help. I mean, who knows how true it is I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we don't know that potentially were, you know, deals on the table, guys put on waivers that we have no idea about. So it's common. Don't panic about it. Because now and today, in the age of Twitter, in the age of 24-7, 365, where everything becomes news, everything becomes a headline. Just because that's the way we live now doesn't mean the sport or the practice has to change or that it's any more or less damaging. The reason why it's damaging now is not because it's a bad practice, because the player finds out about it. And in the past, it probably never made it to the media and to the fans, but players aren't stupid. They could talk. They know. So you have to be so much more careful as an organization now because things leak out. Look at Carrasco. No surprise he got put on waivers. Nobody wanted him. You know, Carrasco's not a dummy. He sees his ERA close to seven. That's common sense. Now, do you have to go to the player and say, hey, we still support you. We still love you, blah, blah, blah. Uh, That's for Buck. That's what Buck managing the clubhouse is all about. Front office is there to, you know, evaluate and really distance themselves and put themselves in a position where they're as neutral as possible and have as little emotion as possible. So anyway, that's the thought on Pete Alonso. Let's not get carried away with it. It's, you know, good practice what the Mets are doing. I think you take a lot of the rumors as opinions, well-informed, well-sourced opinions, but just like you, just like me, everybody has an opinion. And anytime rival GMs or rival executives make an opinion on what the Mets are gonna do, they don't know. Worry about your own team. Really, worry about your own team. Just like nobody wanted to work for Steve Cohen. Remember that? Nobody wants to work for Steve Cohen. I think you'll have people who want to work for Steve Cohen. Now maybe they don't like the structure that Steve Cohen is setting up, but they'd be, you know, they've seen what he's been able to do with the pocketbook. And uh, instead of reading a book about Wall Street that came out a few years ago and making your uh, assumptions, just look at what he's done and and talk to those who work for him. You know, Scherzer just spoke glowingly about his experience with the Mets uh, across the league. So, all right, let's take a quick break. We're going to wrap up your listening to Talking Mets podcast. We'll be back with more right after this